everybody. The San Diego Padres drop yet another series, this time to the dastardly New York Yankees. Yu Darvish having his worst start of the season. Fernando Tatis Jr. having some pretty cool swag moments and potentially becoming a supervillain. And the Austinola, Trent Grisham, and just general roster problems and malaise and madness. We're going to be talking about it all on today's episode, guys. You know what you're listening to, so let's get on started. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, May 29th. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. I am your host, as always, with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you want my live tweets of the game and all my, my little my little uh, nonsense that I like doing during games and stuff at LO underscore Padres or the YouTube Lockdown Padres on YouTube where you can see the cool, the super cool new graphics and setup that I got. I got like a mini, you know, shout out to it. Hold on. I can't point properly. It goes this way. I got like a little mini, you know, like PTI thing going, you know, like how they show the things that are going to happen on today's show on the side. Really cool stuff. Everything looks great. I think anyway, leave your comments and whatnot for what you think. Today's episode, guys, it is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player playing a perfect and being a perfect fit for your squad. And the same goes for your vehicle. So, for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check that will tell you whether or not the part fits your vehicle. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only and exclusions do apply Whew. ladies and gentlemen we got a lot to talk about today let me tell you oh yes we do it's great it's great uh it's 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 great as in how bad it is and if you're someone who enjoys me being sad perhaps this is a great day for you the Padres over the weekend yet again um, well, it did look exciting for a little bit, and we're going to start with the, the, the sad stuff, and we're going to end on a little bit of a happy note, I guess, sort of, maybe. Uh, we got to talk about yesterday's game first. Sunday, the Padres lost 10-7, and while you see the seventh spot that they put up there, that is kind of rare for this Padres team. They actually did score quite a bit in this game. Granted, some of it was error-influenced, right? This was a really drunk game, especially the first three innings, and particularly the third inning, Um for not just the Padres, but also the Yankees. Um, Jose Azokar hits a little league home run in this one, allowing Hassan Kim to score. They actually didn't charge that one, uh, the Jose Azokar run, or no, I'm sorry, Hassan Kim gets driven in from second. They actually didn't charge it to Garrett Cole because there was a bad throw by Harrison Bader, but Hassan Kim was going to make it anyway, so that was just kind of dumb. That being said, after that, Kyle Higashioka then throws the ball into left field trying to get Azokar, who was running to third, and then he ends up scoring. Um, and despite all of that, uh, it just did not matter, really, because the Padres suffered a nightmare of a third inning. It's also worth mentioning that Jay Cronenworth hit a nice home run in this one. And, yeah, I mean, it's just that third inning, man. You Darvish um, has his worst start by far of the season. Um, albeit, you know, he's been good this year, albeit not spectacular at times. But heading into his start, 3.67 ERA, he leaves with a 4.61 ERA, and that's because he only went two and two-thirds innings, giving up seven 
earned runs on seven hits. Congrats on not walking anybody, I suppose. He gave up the judge home run in the first inning, and personally, I thought that was a bad sign to come. I thought we were getting a bad you Darvish today, and we did. Uh, he was bad. It was hard contact every three seconds. He barely got any outs. It was really tough to watch, particularly that bottom of the third inning, which I can recap for you right now if we would like. I mean, everybody watched it, but he's giving up hits to Anthony Volpe. He's giving up hits to Glaber Torres, to Anthony Rizzo. It took him forever before he even got an out. DJ LeMahieu is the only one that got uh, out in that inning with a flyout. Harrison Bader hits into a fielder's choice. Uh, Willie Calhoun hits a double. Not necessarily the players that you used to um, scoring on you. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa hitting a single in this one. Higashioka, the catcher who just made that error before. Him hitting a double to deep um, right center. Only thing that went for the Padres in this game really was uh, Trent Grisham potentially robbing DJ LeMahieu of a, a home run or at least an extra base hit. Had an expected batting average of 7.10 actually from what I'm looking at. Um, but again, it just didn't seem to, to matter. It really didn't. Uh, it was a really rough game to watch and behold for sure. And it's unfortunate because this is supposed to be the pitcher's duel. Talked about this with Lockdown Yankees folks uh, with Stacey and Steve on Friday that this was supposed to be kind of like the the fun, like, superstar matchup, right, with Darvish versus Cole. And neither of them were particularly good. Garrett Cole in this game, he goes six innings, gives up five earned runs, technically six, but five earned runs, walks three and strikes out nine. Don't get me wrong. He, he got hit today, uh, particularly because of Runad Odor, who continues his hot streak, hitting over 300 over the last 11, 12 games. And he's been just slugging the ball like crazy. He's got three home runs over that stretch, a bunch of extra base hits. He hits a home run and pimps the heck out of it in this game. Um, it ends up not really mattering because it makes the score 5-8. And then they get a another run from Jose Azokar, who hits into a fielder's choice. But it doesn't matter because Bader and Kaiho Gashioka end up getting some RBIs later. So it didn't end up mattering. Tatis, not great in this game either. The, the big names don't really do much in this game. Tatis going 0-4 for 4 again. Or not again. I should say, not again. That's not true. Um, 0 for 4 with a walk and two Ks. He also gets picked off at first at one point. I got a little bit of pushback on Twitter, which granted is an extremely small sample size of people saying he was safe. I don't know where Padres fans are getting that from. He was very... Uh, unless the the glove and Rizzo's arm, it just happens to... Have, it went like behind his leg, which makes it look like that it made contact from that viewing angle. But he was very clearly out. And I'm not upset at Tatis not sliding back. I'm not upset about that. I'm upset about this even being possible in the first place. Even if you do think he was safe, the fact that Tatis is getting picked off there is pretty inexcusable and just getting caught, you know, and stray. And it's not like it was a, a weird ground ball that he just didn't know where to go or even a flat, like a, a line drive that got caught by, you know, Gleyber Torres or something like that. No, it was, it was pretty inexcusable. And it kind of captures um, a little bit of the vibe for the Padres this year, which is that every time you're excited about them. And in this case, being Tatis being on base, right? You're excited that he's on base. You're like, all right, this is good. It's a good start. Well, he gets picked off, right? So it's just been a, that's, that is one area in which it kind of captures uh, how this Padres season is going every single time. And this is evidence, of course, by their batting average with runners in scoring position, which still remains the worst in all of baseball, which is absolutely wild by more than 20 points, by the way. It's like 186. And then the next worst is the Royals at 206, which is insane. Again, they are incapable of having productive outs. They're incapable of driving runs in. And by productive outs, I mean, can you hit into a fielder's choice? Can you hit a pop-up? Can you hit a sharp grounder? Can you take a walk? No. Instead, they strike out on three pitches almost every time. Um, you know, Trent Grisham, who we're going to talk about a little bit more later. Uh, just just really, really rough stuff um, overall. 
And I know Grisham ends up getting a double, goes one for three in this game, but he's still hitting 188. And despite his high walk rate, if you're hitting below 200 like that, it's not going to matter. His WRC plus is below 100. I thought, I really thought for the first beginning, and I, I overreacted. I did. I, I even, even me, and you guys know how intelligent and how brilliant I often am. Of course, I've never been wrong about hardly anything. I am a baseball savant. They called me the Bill James, but Puerto Rican version or whatever have you, who lives in a who lives in this this library, if you're watching the video. Of course, I'm so smart. But even I make mistakes, and I thought that Grisham was a guy who showed an improved approach at the plate, a lot more aggressive, hitting the ball harder, and instead he's basically just the same thing as last year. Sure, he hits the ball hard, but his his swing is flawed, his approach is flawed, and you can get him pretty easily, as long as you don't throw like a hanging you know curveball or something like that. Um, it's just been rough to see him. Of course, he's not the worst part of the team, but we'll get into that later. Just overall, really disappointing way to end the series. Um, and yeah, I mean, for you to get five runs on Garrett Cole and lose the game because you Darvish has his worst start of the season, your bullpen can't come in and, you know, shut things down either. Uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, it's just been very, I mean, I know I'm talking right now because I have to do a podcast for y'all every day and I look forward to it. Shouts to the people who sent me some, some good comments on Twitter, by the way, I really appreciate it. Um, it's just been, it's been really rough, guys. Really rough watching this. Dext, actually, on Twitter, just to be specific, at Hunsaker6, uh, sent me a very kind message. So I hope you're listening to man. I hope you're having a good working day and uh, hopefully doing well over while you, uh, you know, do your work, get on the grind, and hopefully I'm making the day a little bit more fun and entertaining. I don't know. I don't know what I do, to be honest with you guys, sometimes. Um, but that's not all, guys. Of course, we got to talk about the rest of the series. And to me, the more interesting conversation I want to have is about Fernando Tatis Jr. being the supervillain of baseball right now. Yeah, sounds crazy. What? But actually, it won't actually be crazy once I break it down for you. And when you consider how sports uh, narratives work, I think. But before we get into that, folks, I got to talk about some bright side stuff. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This isn't a depressing thing. No, no, no. This is good. Have you ever heard of the best protein bars in the world, ladies and gentlemen? They're called Built Bars. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so good. They're great. They're great. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the added super sugar and calories and whatnot, then look no further. If you're like me and you want to make another you know, set of uh, uh, plans in your meals, you know what I mean? You want to have a better meal plan but you still want that sweet tooth satisfied every now and then, don't worry. You don't have to compromise on taste. Because of Built Bar... They are great, healthy, and taste amazing. And guess what? They're covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they come in unbelievable, and I mean unbelievable, flavors like churro, double chocolate, cookies and cream. Ooh, man. And they put out some new flavors every once in a while too, which is really cool. Um, the macros for them are really cool. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with 17 grams of protein. Really cool stuff. And you don't need to wait to get a box for now, or now, I should say, um, like permanently. You can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. So you don't have to worry about this just being an online exclusive thing only. If you like to go in person and get a bigger chunky boy box of these bad boys, you can do it. So head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of boat balls. Let me tell you. Super good, folks. Go check them out. Remember, that is Built Bar. Best protein bars around. And we're back here, ladies and gentlemen, on this old Locked On Padres podcast. We are busy recapping another nightmare series. 
against the, the this time against the New York Yankees. Yes, a good team, but it doesn't matter at this point. I can't keep saying, oh, we lose to good teams, or oh, the offense gets shut down when you're facing Garrett Cole, or when you're facing you know Corbin Burns, or when you're facing whatever. Insert great pitcher, whatever. Can't do that no more, right? It just it's too much. It's too much. Um, Saturday's game. Here's the fun part that we get to talk about. We get to talk about me being miserable because I was at Saturday's game. And my my biggest takeaway, first of all, um, Saturday's game, there was some good takeaways, which is that Michael Waka was excellent in this game. Um, and it was really, really fun to watch, especially for him, of all the pitchers, who's basically been the most productive for what expectations are, for what salary is, and, and, and projections and whatnot. I think Michael Waka has actually been one of the most productive starters on the Padres so far this season. Um, although I don't expect it to keep that way, he was still very good. Uh, seven innings, which is the big part. Um, gives up two earned runs on five hits. Doesn't walk anybody. Strikes out four. Unfortunately, the one run, big run that he does give up is in the bottom of the seventh when DJ LeMay, who hits a home run. That was really rough. No, I was not happy to be surrounded by a, a herd of Yankees fans cheering, including my friend that I went to the game with. Shout out my buddy John. Um, just really, really tough uh, to see that happen. And... Some people, oh, well, why didn't you bring in the bullpen? Well, he only had like 75, 74 pitches. Like, you don't want to use the bullpen when you don't have to, right? And Waka had been very good then. And DJ LeMahieu, a fine batter, a fine batter, but uh, not necessarily known for power. And unfortunately, just doesn't go the, the Padres' way this time. Um, and they end up tying it. It should be mentioned, though, that the big thing that happened in this game, aside from also DJ LeMahieu also getting a big double in this game to bring in a run, um, which, by the way, shouts to our defense playing a pretty good game. Well, the defense was a mess on Sunday's game. Uh, Saturday's game was pretty good. Hassan Kim made an amazing diving play in this one that I went super nerd on my friend. And I was like, look, see, this is why I like going to games because you can measure defense better. Because when you're watching on a broadcast, you you don't get to see because they have to show the ball being hit and whatnot. And you all you get to see is like the end result of where the, the player is. But when you watch it in person, you see how much ground that Hassan Kim is able to cover so quickly, who once upon a time, I don't think he is anymore. I got some comments bringing up like that I might be extrapolating from Padres Twitter too much, how much people don't like him or whatever. But they point out like, I don't think that's necessarily true. And I, th- I think that's true. I think I got a little bit carried away. I think once upon a time, there was a lot of people putting him in trade rumors. And I think that's where that started. But Hassan Kim, one of the more um, better players on this team, dare I say. Uh, but he makes a great play. He also gets an RBI. Um, in the game as well. It's really cool to have him come back after that really scary injury he had um, not too long ago. I think it was in the, the what's it called series? Who did we play before this? The Red Sox series when he kind of got, you know, um, when he limped off the field. Um, for May, he's slashing 282 with a 370 on base and a 451 slugging. He's been fantastic. He is bouncing back to being, um, in this case for May, a better than average player, but an average sort of offensive player. And if he's that, a slightly above average offensive player with the great defense. He's literally one of the few players on this team that has matched expectations in my opinion so far, in my opinion anyway. Um, but the big thing that happens in this game is Fernando Tatis Jr. Hitting an absolute moonshot, 442 feet. I do want to talk about Tatis though, because while he has had a lot of nice moments, especially coupled with the defense, um, he is just, his at-bats look rough. Um, it just looks like he doesn't have the same polish so far. Um, and in terms of his his plate discipline, not great. 22% whiff rate. 
um, on the season. Couple that with a chase rate that is, I'm sorry, not 22% whiff rate. He's in the 22nd percentile on whiff rate. And then his chase rate, he's in the 29th percentile. And he's not walking. Um, not that he was, you know, not that this guy is, you know, Barry Bonds or anything, but that's hurting him a lot. He's still got a solid OPS, 766, and that's because of the power. That's because of his speed and overall just getting the big hits. He's kind of like a little bit like a Byron Buxton, not taking enough walks and striking out a whole bunch, but he's hitting for a whole lot of extra base hits and power and has that speed. So he's still been good, don't get me wrong. And I very much enjoyed his home run in this game. Um, he is him, as some people would say. And I'm actually working on a piece uh, for JustBaseball.com, which you guys can check out my writing, that I'll be doing a lot more Um more frequently over the coming months and weeks uh, that he's become kind of the supervillain for baseball um, in my, in, in many ways. And that's what I think being at the game and hearing the Yankees fans boo and jeer him, first of all, filled me with a, a, a certain amount of rage. And the reason why it does is because it's funny that of all fan bases, the one that defends Andy Pettit, the one that defends Alex Rodriguez, the one that let's bring, forget the, the cheating stuff. The one that had or all this Chapman, the rod that has still has Domingo Herman, who not only has cheated with the substance stuff, but also has his own off-field stuff. And then you were taking this, you had the Stephen Kwan incident last year when your fans were yelling at Stephen Kwan, probably saying some language that wasn't great. I'm not going to like freak out, but I'm just saying, Miles Straw had to jump into the stands and nearly fought a fan. You had that. You guys were on the side of Josh Donaldson and the Tim Anderson fiasco. Like this team of all people, there is a question this is what I want to get into in my article that might be out by the time you guys listen to this, by the way, that there's something to be said for how we determine sports villains. And that oftentimes for sometimes very fair reasons, we don't make it that the people who do bad off the field stuff become villains. I have never seen say uh, a player like a, or all this Chapman or whatever, get booed constantly by an opposing uh fan base or especially their own fan base as much as I see someone who cheated at the sport in the case of Tatis. That does not excuse what Tatis did. And he didn't make any excuses either. He said, yeah, it's absolutely earned. He was not, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, no, I mean, I'm not, I don't think that they're really crossing the line or whatever to say the steroids and the needle and whatever you want to call it. I think it's pretty lame because I find that there's a difference between players and people that are more connected to the sport, managers, whatever, being upset with what Tatis did for the integrity of the game versus fan bases who will literally turn around and support anyone that helps their team, right? So I've always found that to be weird, and I think that that's a little bit hypocritical on all of our parts. I get it. I get not liking him, but there's a lot worse things out there than Tatis is basically what has always bothered me. Um but hey, it's what people want to do. And they booed him constantly. And for him to hit two home runs in this series, like two big home runs especially, uh, really speaks to maybe him having the Reggie Miller badge. For my people who aren't familiar, Reggie Miller was kind of famous for doing better uh, the more people booed him, especially against the Knicks. So another New York team uh, for that comparison for you. Um, so that that's my issue. And I know some people might comment and be like, all right, leave the off-field stuff out of baseball. And there's some merit to that. I really do believe that. I think you don't want to get down a slippery slope of judging character necessarily. I'm just pointing out that it's weird when fans kind of do that. If that makes any sense, I might not be making perfect sense, but I loved when he hit the home run in this one. People were super pissed. I love seeing the Yankees fans sad because I think that they are next to Boston and Philadelphia, like up there for the, the most insufferable and annoying fan bases. Like I said, y'all were cheering for Josh Donaldson, but Tatis is the supervillain, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just very, but I, I think that's where we're heading um, in a lot of ways. And thankfully though, I think Tatis is going to be really entertaining as like the heel that you get like for professional wrestling where like you, you love that they're kind of embracing that role. That's what it feels like. 
And don't get me wrong, I know that they still end up losing this game because IKF, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, hits the walk-off hit. Um, the Padres are unable to bring in anybody. Shocker, with the uh, the ghost runner rule in the top of the ninth. Odor strikes out, Tatis grounds out, Austin Nola flies out. Got to mention that really quickly. Austin Nola pinch hits for Brett Sullivan in this one. A decision I do not like. Um, someone messaged me this on Twitter as well. I forgot who. I don't have it in front of me. But I think it is, one, a reflection of the, the Nepo baby that Austin Nola sometimes feels like he is, which is he keeps getting these chances despite being mediocre defensively and being borderline unplayable when it comes to his bat. And he used to be just a guy who could you know, get you base hits and whatnot. He was okay at the beginning, but his percentile rankings are rough. He does not hit the ball hard. He strikes out way too much. Yes, if he swings, he makes contact, but it's usually weak, weak, weak contact. And on fastballs this year, he's slugging 161 and hitting just 97 against fastballs. Like, he has been one of the worst catchers in baseball. Um, And Brett Sullivan, I think, still needs a little bit of work defensively. But if this is the case of pinch hitting, I am surprised that Melvin didn't just go to um, to just just let Brett Sullivan take a, take a couple hacks. Um, not that he's all that much better. Uh, both catchers have been miserable. Luis Campizano is still on IL, and I have not heard anything about him. And not that he was incredible either, but it's really really rough. So, shouts to that situation. And overall, it's just ah! you know um, really tough to watch this Padres team that was supposed to be billed as having, I don't even want to say a juggernaut offense, but a really exciting one that could have the top four of its lineup just step up. And Soto has been incredible. He gets a day off on Sunday, which I was okay with. A little bit of a, a neck strain. And they say it's totally precautionary for the most part, and they just want to kind of take it easy with him and that he should be expected back probably in the lineup tomorrow. But uh, And I'm fine with that. He has been basically just like an MVP candidate for the past month, and he's been awesome. But... Uh, yeah, I think that the supervillain stuff with Tatis can get a little bit weird. I think that we jump on things way too often. We had the Astros for a while, but I'm just saying uh, it's it could be a little bit, a little bit weird. Um, but that is the case. He seems to be a villain. The Chicago Cubs booed him. Now the Yankees. He made him pay for it with the home run in Saturday's game, which was a delight to behold. But uh, yeah, that's just where we're headed. That's just where we are right now, folks. Um, whether you like it or not, Tatis is becoming kind of the the villain face of baseball especially because of the Astros' hate kind of dying out ever since they won that that second World Series. Seems like it's Tatis right now. Is it fair? In my opinion, no. I just think that there are worse characters in this sport uh, for a variety of reasons, and I think it's hypocritical for fans to do all this stuff, right? And especially for a player of Tatis's caliber, who not only is excellent but also extremely exciting, for you guys to turn him into a villain, well... It's just classic baseball fandom culture. And you guys know how much of a problem I have with baseball culture. It's rough. Have no fear, everybody. We are back here on this Lockdown Padres podcast. After a somewhat sad uh, ending to that last bit, let me tell you, just really rough. It was very fun going to the game. I had a Bronx brownie fudge Sunday thing. That was pretty good. Um, very yummy, especially the brownie part. Love that. Love that stuff. Um, and it was still really fun going to the game, even if my seats were incredible. As someone tweeted at me saying, I think it was Robert Birdie, was like, oh, you know, with all the money you make, that's the seats you can afford. It's like, oh, r- relax. I know he was joking. Um, but they were from a, a gift from my cousin, actually. So shouts to him for the seats. And it was still a fun game. 
uh, got home and nearly passed out and just fell asleep for the rest of the day. I was so tired uh, making that commute back to back to where I live. So that was that was very funny. But let's quickly talk about Friday's game, the positive game of all of this. They end up winning this game, folks, behind the return. Dare I say, I said Michael Waka had been one of the best pitchers on the Padres, and I still stand by that based on expectations. But big game Joe made an appearance, six and a thirds innings. He does give up six hits, but only one earned run. So he he bended, but he certainly did not break. No walks, which is the big thing here, and six Ks. Steven Wilson was excellent as well, and Josh Hader came in for the ninth inning to strike out three batters. Good stuff. Not a whole lot of offense in this game. The Padres end up winning 5-1, like I said. Odor gets an RBI again. The fact that Runette Odor has been as good as he's been is a reflection, and how welcome and how clutch it's felt is a reflection on just, first of all, the fun lunacy of baseball. And I guess you could, if you want to make an argument that Runette Odor might have been this hidden diamond in the rough, sure, I tend to look more at the fact that he was arguably never all that great as a player. Um, he was a slugger, for sure. But he never walked enough, wasn't all that great defensively, and he's more known, unfortunately, especially for him, he's been trying to move past it, but more known for his fight with Jose Bautista than his skills on the field, and he's been pretty poor uh, the past few years. So if you want to believe in that, that he's returning to his slugging ways and that he is young, then go ahead, but I am skeptical. But I'm certainly enjoying it. At least someone's stepping up on this Padres team. Um, and also stepping up in this game, Juan Soto hit a ball 441 feet, but personally, I thought it went 641 feet, an absolute nuke bomb. He was pumped. It's so cool. Or it's so, it's so amazing how you see this Padres team get so amped. Like you see them kind of like have that swagger when they just get a few hits. Like, you see, these guys care, and they love coming through. You saw it with the Dodgers in the playoffs. You saw it with the Mets in the playoffs. But... You see Soto hit this home run after uh, Jake Cronenworth got on base. And you're just like, he just looks pumped. I mean, he basically flips his bat. It was fantastic. Just absolutely nuked the ball. I wish I went to that game. I think I actually know someone who was a Yankees fan that went to that game. Can We We should have switched places. I, I got to experience IKF walking us off. And you got the, the Swad Soto bomb. Although I did get to see him hit a bomb at City Field um, about a month ago, which was pretty sick. But... Uh, you, you love that from Soto, and it's just so frustrating that we all want to like this team. We like these players. We know that their swagger when they're playing well is great. And every time, because of the runners in scoring position, because of just poor situational hitting, because of mistakes on the base pass, because of mistakes fielding every now and then, not as much fielding, they've been great defensively, and because of ill-timed, you know, bad starting pitching performances, uh, it's just every single time. That you think we're finally going to get that team that we were promised. That blockbuster, super fun team. It just, they just don't come through. And that Soto home run shows, like, man, it's just a taste of, like, how fun it could be. Watching this team, unfortunately, it hasn't been. Um, but Joe, Joe Musgrove was great in this game. On the Yankees' side, it was that it was a debut from some folk. Uh, this uh, Randy Velasquez. Um, or Va Randy Vasquez, excuse me. Um, he doesn't do that much in this game, but wasn't terrible, all things considered. I mean, four and two-thirds, two earned runs. Three walks, six Ks, not that bad. Um, but the big moment of this game, aside from the Soto home run, is Fernando Tatis Jr. again hitting a home run to deep left. Uh, it's kind of like a moonshot, 432 feet, allowing Austin Nola to score as well. So two-run shot. It was awesome and honestly made me even, and I bet other fans feel this as well, made me even start to begin to believe a little bit 
right? Like I was I was watching that and I was like, oh my god, maybe we're back. Maybe we're finally back, right? And unfortunately we weren't, as I discussed with the first two games. Um But the funniest thing in this game and what needs to be posted up, and this is why he gets the Reggie Miller badge, Mr. Tatis, for doing better the more people boo him and slander him seemingly, and he he steps up to the moment that prior to that hit, the fans were booing him and calling him a cheater and all that. And this video is out there on Twitter, and you can find it. I tweeted about it myself, where he got on a knee and pretended that he was an orchestra. <laughs> like, it was an orchestra, and he was the conductor, like, making all of them ch- do their chants and singing or whatever you want to call it. And I have said on this show, I said it on Friday's show, I really think that in sports media, we have an issue with calling something the best ever all time worst play ever that I've ever seen. And it always comes off as, and I know this sounds gatekeepy, but sometimes I see 24 year olds saying this and I'm like, you can't just say this every two weeks. It's weird on top of you being young and not having experienced necessarily some of the great moments in sports history. Um, But it's also just weird that it's like, you just said this two weeks ago or whatever. That being said, one of the funniest clapbacks dare I say I've ever seen from a player at like jeering fans uh one it's up there it's up there some people might say that they're gonna say radar test because they're chaotic and love fights that's not what I'm saying I'm saying just a response back to fans this is up there you could go Trey Young and basketball with the Knicks fans you can go heck Pedro Martinez against the Yankees back in the day right like he would pitch really well against them you can go against there's so many different areas you could go in and probably some that I'm forgetting right now you know uh Patrick Mahomes against the ref one time when he looked back at him all sinister like because of a bad call on the previous play. But in terms of back at fans, it was a genius. It was hilarious. And I loved it. And he's living up to the villain role that I don't think he deserves, but apparently uh, baseball needs and is willing to give him. Uh, It was really great to see. Again, Tatis overall at the plate has been disappointing. He's been uplifted by the fact that his defense has been great. That's why his F4 total is higher than some other players. And the fact that he is when he is making, you know, when he is getting on base, it's it's a, it's an extra base hit. Like he's doing well on the base bats and all that stuff, but the lack of walks and the lack of consistency, and in my opinion, really poor at bats. It feels like he swings at everything. Um, it, it really, really does. Um, and it's that's not a good thing. He's been impatient, probably just trying to make a splash so quickly, in my opinion, that might be the case. Um, but if you look at kind of his... Um, some of his other numbers out of zone swing percentages up by 2.9% this year um, from 2021. I should say, I remember he didn't play last year. Um, first pitch swing percentage is up as well by 2.9% and his first pitch uh, strike percentage um, is down. So he's, he's just been kind of a lot more impatient at the plate. Um, strike rate is strikeout rate is up. And it's not that he's ever been a batter that doesn't strike out. That's not the issue. The issue is on really poor pitches and he's not walking. That's the that's the biggest issue with him at the plate. Um, I'll say it again. Uh, I said it once and I'll say it again. I said it before that I thought that Padres Twitter and media that were jumping on people who thought that Tatis might take a little bit of time to get back. That Fangraphs article, the poor guy on Twitter getting ratioed again. This might just be Padres Twitter being dumb. And Padres Twitter, in my opinion, has had... Uh, a litany, a laundry list of moments over it feels like the last 12 months of being a little bit too, uh, not high and mighty, but like just a little bit obnoxious. You know what I mean? At least certain parts of it uh, in my experience. But you have that and people were just ratioing and attacking this guy who was like, I think he's going to be a 126 WRC plus guy back from his first year post suspension and surgery. 
it's kind of what he's been uh, for the most part, except a little bit worse, especially if he doesn't get that walk rate up. So I love Tatis so much. I, I love when he hit the home run on Saturday that I was there for. I love when he did the conductor thing. It's genuinely one of the funniest ways I've ever seen a player get back at fans. Like, truly one of the funniest. You can say the choke thing from Reggie Miller, the hearing you. The There's all sorts of ones out there that I'm sure I'm forgetting, but especially in baseball, uh, especially against the Yankees, you know what I mean, of all teams. Just love to stick it to him there. So while this was a poor series, yet again, can at least take with us that Tatis was awesome in the first two games especially. Um, They're still unfocused, and I still think that this team is probably doomed in a lot of ways. Um, The last thing I want to talk about and just reinforce, I'm going to be talking about this uh, over the course of this week um, after the game recaps to kind of not just only talk about this upcoming series we have against the Marlins, not just the games, but I do want to talk about some questions about, you know, what do we do? Can we designate Nola for assignment? Can we get rid of Grisham? Can we get rid of Snell? The short answer is no, because there's no flexibility on this roster. Something that the Yankees broadcasters and Michael Kay, I think Paul O'Neill and um, Flaherty, John Flaherty were bringing up, is that, well, you you extend this roster. There's a lot of guys on this team that are going to be here until they're 40. And that's Xander Bogarts, that's Juan Soto, that's Tatis, that's Yu Darvish. Musgrove isn't going to be there until he's 40, but he's got another big deal. Jake Cronenworth is going to be here until he's like 37, right? So everyone keeps messaging me, asking me, what changes can they make? And my response is this. And I'm not saying that it was an awful strategy, but this is why, through a lot of deals that the Padres have made over the years, that I've never been necessarily over the moon because I like them in a vacuum, but I don't like them all together. I remember when the Cronenworth extension happened, I was like, really? He's a good player, but really? It's not a question of who's good. you got to stop making assumptions about what's going to happen in the future. You just don't know what's going to open up. Talk to Padres fans about it. Everyone wanted them to sign Nick Castellanos. And I was like, I don't know if I want to overcommit to a player like that right now. And guess what happens? Juan Soto becomes available, right? So things change a lot. And I think the Padres are learning the hard way that committing so much to your roster at the present isn't always great. And I'm not talking about the, it's easy to highlight Trent Grisham and Austin Nola or even Matt Carpenter. It's easy to bring up those players, but the top of the lineup with the four MVPs aside from Soto haven't been playing like that. Tatis has an excuse, but Machado's hurt. He hasn't been great. And Xander Bogarts has regressed dramatically showing you that his hard hit rate stuff that I wasn't as concerned with for the first start at the beginning of the season. He wasn't hitting the ball very hard. But I was saying it's okay because he's still not swinging at bad pitches and he's walking. But he has weak contact, hitting the ball on the ground a lot in honor of uh, one Sir Eric Cosmer. And he looks terrible. And it's just been showing you, look, he's good players, but not playing up to snuff. You know, Don't let the fact that Machado's on the IL excuse the fact that he was pretty bad uh, to begin this season. And he's just looked pretty bad overall. So... We'll see what happens, folks. Hopefully Machado's back for this Marlins series. Hopefully you. Stay tuned and subscribe to Lockdown Padres wherever you get your podcasts from. We are the best podcast, dare I say. The, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves, some would say. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Subscribe to the YouTube as well. Probably going to be talking with my boy Peter Pratt. Lockdown Marlins going to try and do a series preview for you guys tomorrow. Hopefully that'll get done. If not, then I'll do a series preview myself. You know what I mean? And then maybe do a recap with Peter afterwards. But uh, still good stuff in terms of content, even if this team has been a dumpster swamp monster of rock candy 
grown from the mounts of Mount Doom, boiled in lava, sliding down a hill, and eaten by the Hulk, and crunched by Darkseid, and blasted to smithereens by... I'm using way too many words to describe this, but it's been bad. It's been bad. Uh, But hopefully you guys are enjoying the show. Until next time, though, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My Fire Faithful homies, take care.